Adam Crowley Show. I mean, I cannot believe the kind of nonsense that I am hearing right now. On ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. The butt goes. More like the buck hose. Because they suck right now. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we doing radio up in here. No Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. He'll be back tomorrow. We've got shirtless Tom behind the glass. I'm live from our studio. Tomorrow I'll be back at St. Vincent College in Trobe for the final time this week. Steelers play on Thursday. Finally, we've got some real football to talk about. Not football in shorts. Not practice football where black and gold color wearing players are hitting other black and gold color players. No we got some ball, albeit preseason ball. We'll get to that with Ray Fittipaldo coming up at 520. I've got some thoughts on the Steelers' linebacker situation. That's coming up in a few moments. But the Buckos, they are in a dangerous situation. They are not in a good spot right now. They're five games back. They're trailing six teams in the wild card race. And what's frustrating is you watch St. Louis, you look at their roster, you understand what they got going on over there, And you don't think they're that good. They're fine. And yet they win two out of three in the last game. You can't even get the bat off your damn shoulder. Uh, In the last game, you just wanted to pull all your hair out and throw it up into the air. It was hard to watch. Not only the Pirates in a dangerous situation where any one series they play can play them out of the race, they're also not getting any freaking luck. The Pirates needed luck. And they're not getting it. Small market teams need luck, and the Pirates aren't getting it. Freeze is nicked. That's the only reason that makes sense for him not to be in the lineup yesterday. Dickerson's back, but after a stretch where he was hot AF, he got hurt. Bell was hot AF. He is hurt. The Pirates and other small market teams need their dudes to stay healthy because they don't have the high-priced depth that the big dogs have. They don't got it. The Dodgers, if they lose a dude, they just plug in another high-priced dude. The Yankees, another high-priced dude. The Red Sox, another high-priced dude. It helps in the American League, too, where you just shift around and stick your designated hitter in the lineup. Pirates are a small-market National League team. They can't afford to have one of their best players go down and freeze. Isn't one of their best players? But the way he's played of late makes him right now one of their best players. And to lose him and not have him for a game where you lose by one run, two to one, where you're not getting anything going offensively, yeah, that sucks. Bad luck. You get Archer, the fan base gets riled up. You get Kelowna Kato, whatever the hell his name is, however the heck you pronounce it, and you think things are going to move in the right direction, and they can't because you can't score runs because your best players were cooled down by injury or are still hurt and can't get in the lineup. 
We'll talk to Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, all, about all of that coming up in 16 minutes here on the show. How about the Hall of Fame in the National Football League? They're considering securing an advanced commitment from future inductees that they'll show up for their speech. The plan would consist of having 25 semifinalists sign an agreement saying that they would show up if they were selected. It's currently believed that the adjustment to the procedures is virtually certain to happen. So what happens if a candidate wouldn't sign the form? What happens if Alan Fanica goes, you know what, I'm not going to be able to make it. So he just doesn't get inducted? Would they be removed from the selection process? What if the player who was being inducted didn't show up for the speech? Would a newbie player be inducted in his place? Or would they just say, ah, you're not coming in this year? Terrell Owens is one of the top three wide receivers of all time. In his mind, he was passed over for several years by the Hall of Fame selection committee because of his off-the-field antics, and all of us can see that. There's no reason why his on-the-field antics would keep him out of the Hall of Fame. No, it's the stuff he did off the field. It's the things he did in the press. His production, his athleticism, the things that he did on the football field are above reproach as far as I'm concerned. One of the best wide receivers I've ever seen, one of the most physically gifted wide receivers I've ever seen, why didn't he get in on the first ballot? Because of the stuff he did off the field. That's what he said. That's what I say. That's why he gave his speech elsewhere. But that's not how it's supposed to work. If you're deserving because of your on-the-field product, then you should get in, period. Hall of Fame voters were petty to not let Owens in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. So Owens was petty in return to show how petty they were. Now the Hall of Fame doubles down on their pettiness if they start denying players who didn't intend to show up for the induction, if you start saying, oh, man, you can't be here if you're not going to show up, you can't have a bust if you're not going to show up, you're doing exactly what T.O. was fighting against in the first place. You're proving T.O. right. You're proving that you're judging players not for what they do on the football field, but what they do off the football field. That's all it is. If you're not going to let Alan Fanica, for example, into the Hall of Fame because he signs a waiver saying, I'm not giving a speech, then you're being petty and you're keeping him out because he's not going to be there for the speech. That's it. And that's what T.O. is saying. Stephen A. Smith talked about this earlier today, and I don't often quote Stephen A. He's very good at his job. We tend to do radio a little bit differently. Uh, He, of course, more successful than I. But he said that there are only a few places in this country where African-Americans feel like they can be equal, where they feel like there's a meritocracy. And the sports field is supposed to be one of those places. They come in, and the only thing that's supposed to matter is your ability. Whether you kick ass or not, whether you can play or not, it shouldn't be about whose dad's coaching this team. It shouldn't be about whose uncle knows this guy. Like, I got this radio job. Because I interned here because my dad's best friend is a doctor who was a doctor for the guy who hosted the show from 4 o'clock until 7 before. That's how I got the internship and I earned my way from there. But I got in the same way a lot of people get in. You know somebody. Tom's here because he knew me. That's the way it works. 
But sports isn't supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to be like, oh, that guy down the street? Yeah, let him play. He's my buddy. We play Xbox on the weekends. No, you let that dude play because he can jump over everyone else on the field, go up and get to the football. And the Hall of Fame is supposed to look at that. The Hall of Fame is supposed to look at whether or not you can jump over that dude and catch the football. It's supposed to look at whether you help your team win or not. And yeah, T.O. was a D-bag, but he was good enough to help his team win. He was the best player who played in the Super Bowl between the Eagles and the Patriots where they wound up losing. It wasn't his fault that they lost. Not even close. Sports, football, it's supposed to be about the best players playing. It's supposed to be about the guys who give the team the best chance to win. And you're supposed to get recognized for your achievements athletically, not what you do off the field. We hear all the time, stick to sports. The Hall of Fame, apart from any other entity, should stick to sports more than anything. And they didn't hear. And if they make this policy the official policy of the National Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, then they won't be sticking to that. They won't be sticking to sports. It'll be about don't show us up. Respect us. Man, you didn't show T.O. respect in the first place. I get why he didn't want to show it to you. And if anybody doesn't want to show up, they should have the right to not. It's about their achievements athletically. It's about walking in with your family, seeing the bust of T.O., reading the blurb and going, okay, that guy had a profound effect on the National Football League. That's what it's about. Whether he gave the speech or not shouldn't really friggin' matter. So T.O. calls them petty, and they double down by being even pettier. You know what that means? T.O. was right. Love it. 412-922-2874 is the number. You can tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Dion posts on Facebook... How does this prove T.O. was right all along? They didn't change the voting requirements. Actually, they do. If you keep players out because they don't say that they're going to show up for the speech, you are then keeping players out because of what they did off the field, not on the field, which would, in fact, change a big-time clause in the requirements in the first place, which is only on the field achievements are supposed to be counted. So you're wrong, Dion. Suck it. More on that later. Because I got blowed up on Facebook. I wrote a blog about this, ESPNPGH.com. Now for something a lot less sexy, a lot less fun to talk about for me, but probably more enjoyable for you to listen about, and that's the Steelers' inside linebacker position. Ray Fittipaldo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote about the linebackers today, wrote about Keith Butler's philosophy for this Steelers defense. He'll join us at 520. I never want to see two inside linebackers on the field at the same time, whether it's Matikiewicz and Bostic, whether it's Vince Williams and Bostic, whether it's Bostic and Vince Williams. I don't want to see two guys at the same time on the field at the inside linebacker position that are listed as inside linebackers. What I want to see is, last year you had William Gay as your dime linebacker. He ain't around anymore. I'd like to see that be Terrell Edmonds or another safety. Maybe you move Sean Davis up to dime linebacker and you put Cameron Sutton in to play some center field. Either way, I want an athletic monster in there in passing situations. 
Keith Butler told Ray Fittipaldo that there will be times when there won't be any linebackers on the field. You want to get your most athletic 11 people out there, I'm down for that. Put seven DBs out there. You can do it when you've got guys like Terrell Edmonds, who has that body type. You can do it when you've got guys like Sean Davis and Morgan Burnett, who have different kind of body types. Mike Hilton has a different body type than Terrell Edmonds. You can fit all these guys on the field and be multiple and not get carved up in the passing game. And if Cam Hayward and Stephon Tuitt are healthy and on the field, you should be fine in the running game too. I don't want to see a situation where you've got Bostic and Vince Williams on the field at the same time. Certainly not Matikiewicz and Vince Williams on the field at the same time. Even if it's first down in 10, and they just got the ball at the 20-25 yard line, I don't want to see those two on the field. Because maybe they've got a running play called. All you got to do is audible. All you got to do is flex your wide, your running back out to the wide receiver position, and those guys are going to get eaten the frig alive. I don't want to see at any point those two be on the field at the same time. If Bostick's on the field and you've got Terrell Edmonds that you slide up into the box or you've got Sean Davis that's in the box and Cameron Sutton on the back, that's going to be a lot better. That's going to give you a much better chance to win than if you've got two inside linebackers playing in there like it's 1995. Hell, like it's 2017 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't need to play that way anymore. Being married to that old philosophy would cost them this year. And if you lose this year, I got a spoiler alert for you. You probably ain't winning now with Ben Roethlisberger. The next championship you'll have an opportunity to win will be with a guy like Mason Rudolph. So play defense the way that the modern defenses play, and you've got a much better shot. Last thing here. You're not going to like this as much as the linebacker talk. The President of the United States tweeted about LeBron James and Don Lemon. They're both black, right, Tom? I believe so, yes. Yeah, they're both black. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. That's weird that he would do that. Yeah, wild. And I just couldn't believe it. Way out of left field from him. Right field. Alt-right field. When the President of the United States is taking pot shots at the most famous athlete in the country, how am I supposed to sit aside? How is anyone? How can you not like LeBron? But how can I stick to sports when the president doesn't stick to politics? I'm not going to wax poetic here and bring up any philosophical conversations that you don't want to hear. But all I'm going to say is, never tell me to stick just to sports. If he doesn't have to stick to his job, I ain't going to stick to mine. I can vote. I can have an opinion. Sometimes it'll make its way onto the air, and when it does, you can either like it or you can change the channel. And by that, I mean you can either like it or you can eat me. Coming up next, Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com. Buckos. More like buck hoes. Because they suck. At least right now they do. Why? We'll ask him. It's the Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, he went from the bottom. I give up, man. If you're not going to be honest about it, I give. John, Thanks my nipple looks me like my Bye-bye. nipple looks like my cat, like a like my cat's nipple. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. <laughs> I 
The Pirates have traded for a Diney Hechevarria, whose name I'm sure I butchered. Guess the Bucks are soaking up all the rays. Joining me now to discuss from DKPittsburghSports.com, he is Lance Lysowski. Lance, how are you, pal? Doing well, Adam, in Denver. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. 420 in Denver, not bad. <laughs> Although I guess it's 220 there. Um, I, I I always lose track of time whenever I travel. So in different in different time zone, of course. Yeah, when you're in Denver, I get that. That's yeah, whatever, I'm, Adam. Yeah, just smoking the reefer. Lance joining us from Denver, as he just said. But yet, there's more news from Tampa. The Pirates just keep gobbling up Rays. What do you know about Echevarria? Uh, light-hitting shortstop. He hasn't played another position since 2012 when he was with the Blue Jays. So he's strictly a shortstop. That's it. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Made almost $6 million this year, and he was having a horrible year until he got DFA'd about, uh, it was August 1st. So shortly after, they were unable to trade him at the deadline. And the Pirates are getting cash, so they're likely paying him almost or literally nothing to play for them the rest of the season. And they're going to have to make room on their roster tomorrow, Adam, which means this could be the end for Sean Rodriguez. Oh, no, my God. I actually feel bad for Sean Rod. Uh, it's it's not his fault that he's been up for so long and, and on the big league club. And, yeah, he's struggling, to put it lightly, but he did go through the accident last year. You wonder if that had any effect on him and – yeah, I do wish him well, despite fans, the way that they've treated him over the last couple of weeks or so. Yeah, I, as much as people like to make the 25th man on the roster the scapegoat, it makes no sense in this regard. There's a reason why they've kept him around. It's because of what he means in that clubhouse, which, again, when you lose guys throughout the season, like Tyler Glass now was well-liked in the clubhouse, Stephen Brought was well-liked, you want to keep that, that kind of guy around, Sean Rodriguez, but... And people thought that his career was over after the car accident, so it might not come as much of a surprise that it did really impact you know his performance on the field over the past year. What's going on with the injury situation? I mean, this this sort of plays into that a little bit too, no? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, Josh Bell, we'll, we'll wait and see. He started swinging the bat, so at least that's a step in the right direction. I'm, I'm sure David Freeze will start tonight. Obviously, Corey Dickerson is back, um, but there's seems to be something going on with Josh Harrison. I think he has a lingering hamstring injury. Yeah. Clint Hurwell hinted, hinted towards that last week, and they're probably going to be smart about it. And I don't know if the plan is for Hechevarria to maybe slide over and play second base for the first time in six years, but it wouldn't surprise me. Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com, joining us here on the Crowley Show. Was Freeze too hurt to play yesterday, or just you want to get him on the men? I mean, these are all important games at this point. Well, I think a lot of people forget that David Freeze has a pretty, he has a history of, of injuries. You know, that it kind of sidelined him earlier in his career and he had to completely change the way he kind of prepares himself. That's sort of why he was going to be a bench player when he was originally acquired by the Pirates. So they're going to, it makes sense to be smart with him at that point. But yes, one at bat. It, and he played the night before. The injury allegedly occurred on Friday. I mean, ever everybody involved said it occurred on Friday, so I'm not going to question that. So yeah, it was it was a little strange. It, it was a little surprising, especially since he hit a home run <laughs> on Saturday and seemed completely okay. Yeah, that's what was so frustrating uh, about him not playing. Uh, Lance Lysowski joining us here on the Crowley Show. So Corey Dickerson, he comes back. Uh, the thing about the Pirates is, and really any small market team, is when you're facing injuries the way that they are. 
Uh, you're just you're just not going to be able to make the playoffs. They've been they you need to be lucky. You need to have luck on their side. And when you've got Dickerson playing as well as he was, he gets hurt. You got Bell playing as well as he was, he gets hurt. And then Freeze was playing his best ball of the year, he gets hurt. Uh, it just makes it that much harder. Now they got to chase six teams down. Yeah, and they're, they're, Corey Dickerson, I know he's back, but it might take him a little bit of time to start hitting the way that he right. was. Gregory Polanco is probably due for a slump at this point. They're not getting much out of their middle infielders these days. So, yeah, uh, something's got to give. At least, you know, it's encouraging for them, I would say, that Francisco Cervelli has at least shown that, you know, that his bats played well since coming back. He can play first base if they really need him to. Uh, Elias Diaz has struggled a little bit as of late. Uh, the pitching's really been the problem the last week or so, though, Adam. I mean, three short starts in a row, that leads your bullpen to be – pretty bad and yeah i mean you catch a, a pitcher who throws really well on sunday so i can't really point to one thing i mean this this team the things they're struggling they've struggled with over the past week is what they've struggled with you know for most of the season so it shouldn't come as that much of a surprise is that more of who they are and i don't want to do this thing where we keep reacting whenever they get hot and, and say oh they're a great team then whenever they start to lose a few games, you overreact the other way. But, I mean, is this more of the team that they are? Are they more just a 500 baseball team than than one that's going to win 16 out of 20? I think so. But the, the way that this season goes, guys can, can do really well for, you know, look how well the rotation all pitched together for that 11-game winning streak or how the offense all came together. It's pretty rare when those types of things happen, but... Again, I think you look at the weaknesses, you look at the bullpen, uh, the guys in front, Avon uh, Nova hasn't been pitching well. That's no. one starting your rotation who's struggling. Chris Archer might take some time to get used to the National League. Now, as much as those trades created a really big buzz and, you know, the fans got excited and it was a, a definite sign that, you know, the front office is buying into this young core, those moves are also made towards next season. So let's not be mistaken that they, it wasn't that they thought that this team could necessarily win a World Series this year, but next year, yes. So, we'll see. Uh, the injuries are definitely, they came at the wrong time, and now it seems like everybody else in the division is starting to play much better baseball. They are. Uh, Chris Archer comes in, and it's not what you want to see from him, but it's also kind of understandable. Just a little amped up for his first start? Yeah, that's all it was. I mean, he had some struggles, you know, in Tampa this year, but if you look at his last eight to ten starts, he was really good. Yeah. You know, it looked like the Chris Archer that he's always been. And you saw little signs of that, whether it be the back-to-back strikeouts in, in the second inning, you know, the, the fastball playing as well as it did. I think that once he gets back into his routine and pitching, even on the road, might help when you don't have a crowd like that, you know, behind you. Because let's not forget, he – wasn't used to that. <laughs> there typically aren't a lot of fans in Tampa. So we'll see. I, I think it's way too soon to panic. You saw Jay Happ, how well he pitched after you know his first start with the Pirates back in 15. Lance Lysowski, DK Pittsburgh Sports.com, joining us on the Crowley Show. Uh, you got Tyon, you got Musgrove, you got Archer not in that order going in this series for the Bucks, which is a huge one. Uh, every series can now make or break their season, in all honesty. When your five games back, if you leave this series at eight games back, it's over. Uh, you've at least got to hold your water. The the problem is they're chasing uh, six different teams now for the wild card. Uh, they're getting passed up, and they got passed up by the cards over the weekend. It's just so much ground to cover in, yeah, there's two months left, but uh, when you got to pass all those teams, it just, I don't think this is the year, as you said before. 
Yeah, I mean, when you dig yourself in a hole like they did, it's tough. I mean, you're not going to be able to play. <laughs> Those 11-game winning streaks obviously only come around once every 20 years. It doesn't happen very often. It helped them climb back to a certain point, but you know, what's, all it takes is one week to kind of undo all that you accomplished in that time. And with this schedule, and you got three in Denver, three, you know, four in San Francisco, even two in Minneapolis, that's a long road trip. And all it can take is a bad four or five games of baseball that yeah. they turn into settlers in August. I mean, you could see Jordy Mercer, David Freeze, possibly Josh Harrison, you know, because the waiver period is going on. There's still deals being done as we saw today. Last couple of things here for you, Lance. Uh, Musgrove is going to go tonight. What have your uh, initial thoughts been on him uh, as a Pirate so far? Extremely efficient. I think that they have to be really encouraged. I mean, remember how bad this guy was as a starter when he was with the Astros. I mean, it was (laughs) Tyler Glasnow-esque numbers in terms of just he had control, unlike Glasnow, but was just hit hard, leave the ball in the strike zone, and really just got tattooed the second time through the order but he's really pitched deep in the games and he's been that that boost that that this team is need they love playing behind him just the emotion that he shows similar to trevor williams it seems like they, they play really well behind him because of the energy he has so he throws strikes you know, has the stuff to succeed i think that that's probably one of the the you know more promising parts of the, the old trades that they made in the offseason why do you think trevor williams blocked me on twitter you oh, no, I didn't know that. It ha- I mean, I can't think of one thing I've ever said about the guy. I mean, uh, negatively, I like the guy. I said his numbers at the beginning of the year might come back down to earth a little bit, but I wound up being right. I, damn it. the hell did I do? Uh, did, did you mention him on Twitter? I, mean, I don't think I even said it on Twitter. I just think I said it on my poorly rated radio show. Uh, we need to get to the bottom of this, Adam. You need to show off the PNC part when the team comes back and we'll... We'll gather everybody. We'll have a talk, an airing of grievances. Well, you can. You, how about you just ask him so I don't have to go anywhere? Then just text me. <laughs> Let's do that. I'll pay, I'll pay you. Whatever DK is paying you, I'll pay you double. Typical radio move, Crowley. I know. None of us ever friggin' show up. Uh, last thing here for you, Lance. <laughs> Uh, the you like to look at the Pirates bullpen now. Obviously, if the starters aren't going to go deep at all, that's going to create some problems. But uh, do you like the way that the back end should be set up? Yeah, the back end's great. Uh, I don't think you can have any issues with the way Kyle Crick is pitched. You know, Vasquez looks like he did last year. Really liked what I saw out of Kelly yesterday. You know, he, he too probably had some jitters his first time out there. And Edgar Santana's been really good. And then you got Richard Rodriguez. You know, now it's going to be some trial and error to figure out, okay, when they do have that short start, who do you put in there? Right now they've got Casey Sadler, who they can turn to. Richard Rodriguez can probably pitch multiple innings. You know, What's Clint Hurl going to do when you have those two games back-to-back like he did this week and he had to put Alex McCray in? So we'll see, but that's really not – you look across the league, a lot of teams don't have a really good long reliever because, again, that's a guy who should only pitch once a week. Lance, find it out and text me. <laughs> I'll ask around. I'll see what I can do. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. There he goes, Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com. Uh, soon to be of Adam Crowley radio show employ. I got to find this. Trevor Williams is like the most likable guy on the Pirates. He's one of the coolest guys in the league, and he blocked me. What do you think I did? I don't know. Did you bash him at all? I don't think like, so. No? That's not really my did, style did you anyway. you dig back into your old tweets and see what you could have said to the guy? Or? I don't know how to do that.
Is he a fan of the show? Maybe he heard you say that his numbers are going to come back down to, to earth. And if he's a fan he of the show, he's not off. a fan of the well, show anymore. Turn him off, yeah. I don't get it, man. I don't know what yeah. happened there. It doesn't make any sense because I—that's not what I do. I, I'm not like mad. I don't just go out of my way to rip people just to rip them. Like Madden's thing right now is that Juju Smith-Schuster has turned it so selfish that he's not playing well in training camp, and he's going to be the next Antonio Brown, except without all the success. And I mean, I think that's a pretty damn big reach on August 6th and we haven't seen him play a regular season game. Like, if Juju Smith-Schuster wants to block Madden, I understand. Trevor Williams blocking me, I don't get. Like, Michael McHenry blocking you, I understand. Oh, he didn't block me. I know, but I would understand if he did. I know. But Tell the people what you did. Well, I, I just, you know, one day when I was taking care of my morning business, I was scrolling through Twitter and I happened to notice that Mike McHenry's Twitter picture he was him in a Colorado Rockies uniform, and it, it really took my breath away, honestly, because, as you know, he's the analyst for the Pittsburgh Pirates pre- and post-game on AT&T Sportsnet. So I really don't know if I can trust what this guy's saying. If In one vein, he's trying to tell you, oh, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirate guy, and then the next, you go to his Twitter page, and he's in a Colorado Rockies uniform. I mean, where does his allegiances lie? So I, I just called him out on it, and... You know, he changed it to a very nice picture of him holding a massive gun in, in camo at some fort. I don't, I don't know what fort he was at or could have been at. But Probably McHenry. I, I don't know. I asked him. He never, he never got back to me about Typical. that one. Typical famous athlete. But yeah, he changed it. So you know what? He, he, he got back in line. and I, uh, There's no beef between me and him now, but I, I'm glad that he recognized his heir. At ButtonPusher970. That's Tom's Twitter handle. Shirtless Tom. Check it out. I'm trying to get people to follow you. We'll make it happen. Tom's better at Twitter than me. He's better at everything than me. Sometimes radio, too. It's not good. Not a good look. Eventually, he's going to be doing the show from this side of the glass, and I'm going to be off selling insurance somewhere because that's what people do after they get out of their real life's work. Uh, Joey Bag of Donuts tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Maybe he blocked you because he listened to your show. Ouch. Ouch. You know, he blocked me, and there was no reason for him to block me. But now I'll give him a reason. Hey, Trevor, what you been doing lately? How well you been pitching with that stuff? That crappy stuff? That Paul Mahalem-esque stuff? It ain't going to work out for you, pal. You're going to be back in the minor leagues by the end of next year. Suck on that, Trevor. You think you can get away with all this junk ball crap, Trevor Williams? You'll be working at a junkyard in 2019, all right? Instead of being in the Pirates rotation, you idiot. Yeah. Do you even know what they do in 2018? They either strike out, or they walk, or they hit a home run, and you ain't walking anyone. You also ain't striking anyone out. What's that leave for you, Trevor? Don't find too much of the plate, Trevor, because your stuff don't move. They'll take it out of the yard. Suck it. Suck, Trevor. Yeah, you stink. He's pretty good, though. He's not bad for a fifth guy in a No, if he's your four or five, I think you're fine. I really really do think. Yeah, good beard. I think think you could do worse. You suck, Trevor. Yeah, I hate you. His Twitter game's strong, though. You wouldn't know. You got that funny podcast? You don't listen to his podcast. Buckos? More like Buck Hose. Because they suck right now. Up next, something the Browns did made me thankful to be a Penguins fan. Yep. It's Crowley Show. 
Sally Wigan likes him, and so should you. Adam, I think I think having millennials on the radio is awesome. I don't hate you. God. Adam Crowley. My dogs listen to you when I walk <laughs> out the door. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The Cleveland Browns traded Corey Coleman, former first-round pick, to the Bills for a seventh-round pick. That is bad return on investment. Here's what's happened to the recent Browns' first-round picks. Trent Richardson was traded in one year. Brandon Whedon cut in two years. Barkevius Mingo, oh, traded in three years. Justin Gilbert traded in two. Johnny Manziel cut in two. Danny Shelton traded in three. Cam Irving traded in two. And Corey Coleman traded in two years. The Browns wanted to have an analytics slant in the way that they handled their rebuild over the last couple of years. Now, they've made changes at the top. They no longer are trying to do the Sashi Brown stuff they were before. But one of the things they are trying to do is they're trying to collect draft picks. They're trying to get as many first, second, third round draft picks as they can, and then you hope that you will hit on a lot of these guys. But the problem is, you've got to be able to do it. You've got to be able to scout. You've got to be able to know if these players are going to be good. So what this means to me is a couple of things. One, it is really difficult to know who's going to wind up being good based on the draft. And number two... They stink at it. I mean, they just stink at it. That's number two, poop. They stink at it. I mean, how can you have as many draft picks as they've had over the last couple of years and still be this awful? There's a reason why they're 1-31 in, in the last 32. Somebody that I respect today was tweeting out, well, the Browns knew he wasn't living up to the expectations, so they, cut bait. they were going to cut him, and at least they get a seventh-round pick. Yeah, but it shows the flaw in the flaws in their player development. They should have kept Matt Williamson around. Uh, Matt Williamson only worked there for a year or two. Uh, the Browns, they screw up on a first-round pick every flipping year, especially the quarterback position. They're terrible at evaluating talent. One of the things you hear all the time from detractors of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Flyers fans, Capitals fans, jealous Canadians, is that, well, the Penguins didn't do anything that was difficult by picking Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And you know what? That is true. After Ovechkin, Malkin was the pick. Sidney Crosby, absolutely freaking lootly the pick. You could tell that they were going to be generational-type players without question Sidney Crosby based on what everyone knew about him. That being said, you still have to do the obvious sometimes. And what did the Browns do this year? They took Baker Mayfield. Now, I like Baker Mayfield because I'm a Big 12 guy, and I watched him shred my team for the last three years. Well, four, really, because he did it at Texas Tech, too. But that doesn't mean they should have loved them. doesn't mean he should have been the first overall pick. He's not the safest pick, and I still don't know if he has the highest upside. And yet that's the pick that they made, and I think history will wind up laughing at them for that. The Browns don't do the smart thing. They don't do the easy thing. Sometimes you just need to do the easy thing. If all these picks that they had, they went the safe route, they would be good by now. 
They don't, you don't even have to try to make a splash. You've got so many picks. Go the easy route. You've got so many of them that if you pick the player that has the, the highest floor, you're going to be fine. And they don't do that. They don't make the smart pick. So the Browns trading out Coleman actually made me think, hmm, you know what? I'm happy to be a Penguins fan because they did the obvious. The Oilers, how long has it taken them to get it right? They've got the first overall pick. They've got the second overall pick. They've got the third overall pick. They've only made the playoffs one year because of it. Now, McDavid picking him was easy, but look where they've been. Who's the Russian guy that's out of the league now, Nail Yakupov? My God, he stunk. Top five pick. It seems easy, but it's not. It seems like if you have top five picks, you should have a slam dunk. It's not easy, but you do need to be better than one in 31 over the last 32 if you continue to pick there. Did you guys hear Ray Lewis found God? He was inducted in the Pro Pro Football Hall of Fame this weekend in Canton, Ohio, and I do find this interesting. Everyone's talking about T.O. getting in. And everyone's talking about how T.O. was a douche and the things that he did were distractions for his team. What about Ray Lewis being a freaking accessory to murder? What about Ray Lewis being convicted of obstruction of justice in a murder investigation? Convicted! We're not talking about speculation here. We're not talking about allegedly's. I don't have to say allegedly. He was... A convicted felon is a convicted felon. That's the guy we let in on the first ballot, but not Terrell Owens. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that. We will get back to that in a second. What I do want to talk about is Ray Lewis trying to teach you math. Uh, Ray Lewis trying to add 2 plus 5 and make 7 significant. I I don't understand. He said the last numbers we got is these numbers, and I looked and those numbers was 5 and 2. And I said, give me that 52. He said, why you like 52? I said, because B-Dog, that's God's number. That's completion. I played 17 years. I leave 17 years. I go play in Super Bowl 47. I get inducted to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Super Bowl 52. Man, God, something else. Man, God, something else. God, something else. God, something else because his jersey number is 52 and... He retired for Super Bowl 52. Man, God, something else. God, is something else. How crazy is that? There are people dying in mudslides all across the world, dying in forest fires in California, but God made sure that Ray Lewis could do what Ray Lewis is doing. God made sure that he didn't get that murder pinned on him. God made sure he got 52 at the University of Miami, and God made sure that he got to retire and get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame for Super Bowl 52. Man, God, something else. You're something else, pal. Have you ever seen somebody give a Hall of Fame speech where they're not behind the microphone? Like, they gave him a lapel mic. Ray Lewis, the only guy in the history of the Hall of Fame to get a lapel mic, and we're talking about how T.O. is disrespectful. No, man, you got to stand behind that podium. He looked like a preacher giving like a Sunday sermon. He did. Like, jump. He had the the sweat cloth going at one point. Like, oh my lord! Like I'm sweating so much between, behind these lights back here. Like, it was something else. It was God is something else, and that was something else. He was a preacher because God's something else. He also danced for God. He was dancing for Jesus. Remember how he used to come out of the tunnel 
He'd do that weird thing where he'd get real low to the ground, and then his left knee would go out, and his right knee would go out, and then he'd hump the air. Well, he said he did that for God. So when I started coming out of the tunnel, I wanted to really start to honor God. So it was funny, because when I went to the right, right, it was for the Father. When I came to the left, it was for the Son. When I came back for the middle, it was for the Holy Father's Son, all in one. <laughs> Mama taught me God. Mama taught me God. I'm calling BS on that. I think he did it because he was rabid before a football game. First time he did it, he's going nuts, right? He's probably frothing from the mouth, probably looking like he's got rabies because he's freaking Ray Lewis. And then he kept doing it because the reaction from the crowd was amazing. And then he, whenever he was getting ready to do his Hall of Fame speech, he thought, okay, what's good? What's good? You know what's good? Sounds good that I'm talking about God here. It's all about God. I just looked at the clock and it was 52 seconds and fi- or 52, 52. So maybe there is something to it. God's weird, man. Man, God, something else. He's something else. He didn't say the Holy Spirit there was Father, the Son, and Holy Jesus and all that. I think the third person he forgot was Michael Phelps, whom he made sure to mention later on, as odd as it was. What y'all did for me, Steve Bashadi. What you believed in me, Michael Phelps. Michael <laughs> Phelps. What? What? How many times, man, you sat in the same house looking at each other? What we said, Baltimore is our city. We'll do anything for Baltimore. First of all, I watch The Wire, so I know more about Baltimore than either of them. Second of all, do you think whenever they looked across the couch from each other, there was a bong in the middle? Michael Phelps. The father, the son, and... Michael Phelps. Hey, he goes, hey. 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 What a nut job. He's the guy who, on NFL Live before he was fired from ESPN, was talking about how the streets cannot get me. I was lucky because the streets never got me. Bro, the streets did get you. You were an accessory to murder. What a weird guy. But we'll talk about T.O. being the bad one. T.O. is the bad guy, but because Ray Lewis found God, he's a good dude. Okay. Man, God, something else. I got it. I got it. That's fine. How about y'all or something else? Ray Lewis gets in, not a peep. No one says bleep about this guy having been an accessory to murder. He plays, what, 14 years after that? No one says it again, except for Steelers fans. You bring up all the time that he's a murderer. He gets inducted, and no, let's keep talking about T.O. Coming up, here is one thing that is going to cause people to say the NFL is something else. I'll explain what I mean next. It's the Crowley Show. 5-15-75. Remember 5 and remember 7. 5-15-75. Crazy, right? Tell you about numbers. 5-15-75, right? I played 17 years. I leave 17 years. I go play in Super Bowl 47. I get inducted to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Super Bowl 52. Man, God, something else. Michael Phelps. Man, God, something else.